In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Badgers getting ready to head to West Lafayette to take on Purdue, number 25 Purdue, in the top 25 for the first time since 2007. Wisconsin has not lost to Purdue since 2003. Braylon Allen, not yet born, Jesse, the last time Purdue beat Wisconsin. Pretty wild. It's been a long time. It is. It's been a long time. And uh, that streak actually started in 2004 with that crazy ending where Robert Brooks helicoptered Kyle Orton and Scott Starks picked up the ball and took it back for a touchdown and, and just a game that felt like it was over, but it wasn't. It was it was one of a number of just crazy finishes in that in that two, uh, 2003, 2004, 2005 era of Wisconsin football. I mean, you go back to 03 with Ohio State, 04 obviously with Penn, with Purdue, and then 05 you had Minnesota and Michigan. So um, either way, long time ago, and uh, but Purdue obviously much improved this year, uh, even though Wisconsin is favored. And we'll get into our picks later in the episode. Uh, also play a little over under for uh, some stats for the game. But first, it probably is worth starting uh, with the news that came out. Was that Monday, Jesse? Yeah, Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, Monday afternoon that Devin Chandler had entered the transfer portal and is leaving. And he spoke to a couple of different outlets, but I believe you had the first. And he was pretty, uh, I don't want to say he went scorched earth on Wisconsin by any stretch, but he was. Uh, it was clear he was pretty uh, unhappy. And the fact is that like he was unhappy before the season started, but waited to, waited to now to see, uh, to, I guess, get the transfer portal, look for a scholarship because there's only so many available. Um, so, yeah, he's gone. What was your biggest takeaway from that uh, Q&A with him? Well, my biggest takeaway was toward the end of our conversation. A lot of his answers were, were pretty standard, not too long. He explained why he was transferring. And, and as you said, I asked why now it's the middle of the season and it's because he, he clearly didn't think that being at Wisconsin was, was in his future and wanted to take advantage of whatever scholarships might be out there for other programs. But he saw that his role in fall camp was diminished much less than it was last year. And he said that he was confused. Um, and when he talked to coaches, they just told him to keep working so that he could be trusted to play. But at the end, what he said, I, I asked him, there are three senior wide receivers on this team this season, Danny Davis, Kendrick Pryor, Jack Dunn. Did you think at all about whether it was worth staying another year to see if you could earn more playing time? And he said that he thought about it, but then he realized, he said, I felt like if I were to stay here and have a great chance of starting and being on the field more at receiver, I don't feel like I'd be utilized as well as I should. And to me, the, the money quote of this whole conversation was, we have plenty of receivers in our room who just straight up make plays and very rarely throughout the game will they be given opportunities for that. So I just don't want to be put in that same position. Now, if he were playing this year, um, I don't know whether he would feel that way. I, I think, obviously, it starts with the fact that he wasn't getting opportunities on offense. I believe he played 11 offensive snaps this season. Um, but, I, you know, subscribers who commented on my story were basically like, I don't disagree with anything that he said. And I think if we've watched this season, you can understand the frustration in the wide receiver room in general. Uh, so I thought that was the, the overarching point, the kind of eye-opening wow statement. But just look at, at what Wisconsin's done in the passing game this season. They, uh, As we've 
discussed throughout the season have really struggled. They rarely seem to open it up. They've had struggles in pass protection. Graham Mertz has struggled. I mean, Danny Davis has been targeted 30 times this year. That's five times a game. Ten of those targets were in the first game. In the two games against Illinois and and, uh, Michigan, he didn't catch a single pass. He was only targeted three times. There's a lot of factors that go into that, but when arguably, maybe not even arguably, your best wide receiver gets three targets in two games and no catches, I think there's there's reason for wide receivers to be like, hey, what's going on? And Danny even said this week when had an opportunity to talk to him that it's not for him to decide how many throws he gets, but he would like more targets and he believes he deserves more targets. So that comment really struck stuck out. And I think that he's not the only one that thinks that. Do you think Wisconsin has seen stuff in practice? Because that's, that's where essentially you're saying it. Guys are making plays in practice, but it's not carrying over the game. Do you think that's the truth? Do you think there are things happening in practice and they're just not doing them in the game? And, and if so, why aren't they doing them in the game? Well, obviously it's a, it's, it's different in the game. You're they're getting after the quarterback and they're, they're pressuring Graham. And, you know, as we know, quarterbacks don't take hits in practice. And so it is a little bit different, but it does based on what the receivers say, they, they say they're making plays in practice. They say they're connecting. Danny talked about it too this week. He said, even during all of fall camp and practices, everybody's making plays, everybody's flying around. It's just a matter of going out there and executing and making them pay for putting eight men in the box. So as we've discussed, teams are strategizing, knowing that Wisconsin has struggled to pass. We're not there in practice. We haven't been since the second week in August. So you can only take the, their, the words that they have to say at this point. But for whatever reason, it, it isn't translating. And the, the numbers are just, it's a pretty bleak situation, I would say, <laughs> what the passing offense has going on right now. They're They're 108th nationally in completion percentage. They're 117th in passing yards per game. They've only thrown three touchdown passes all season. Four teams are worse than that. So there's a lot of things that are stacking up. And overall, this team's averaging 19.7 points per game. That's the worst mark since 1992. So I I can understand the frustration. I'll say that. So we did get to see practice for those first couple of weeks, right? Uh, I didn't see a single thing in practice that would suggest that they were going to have a good passing game this year. Did you? Uh, that that they were not good. No, at <laughs> they weren't. Like I, they may be making plays in practice now, and they may be making plays in practices that we didn't see. But the passing game wasn't good in the in fall camp that we got to see. We only got to see, what we get to see eight practices. It wasn't good. So uh, I guess we have to take their word for it. But from from what we saw with our own eyes, it wasn't good except for one day. One day was good. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. Graham was, was fairly inconsistent even then. And again, like there's so many factors that go into what makes a successful play. And so it's easy to sit here and say, it's all Graham's fault and the numbers are, aren't, aren't good. And and certainly he, he bears a lot of responsibility for this, but it's been a struggle all season. And, and, but, uh, but again, these wide receivers are saying that they believe they're going out and making plays. Um, and the other thing that Devin said, um, when I, I said, why do you think it, my follow-up question to his, his comment about that, that receivers straight up made plays. I said, why do you think it's so rare for receivers to be given those opportunities? And he said, I honestly have no idea. That just has to do with the play calling and the coaching, because it's not like we haven't proven to the whole team that we can make plays at that position. So, um, those to me were pretty strong words. <laughs> you, can, you can take them how you want, but 
the receivers feel uh, a certain type of way about how things are going. And one felt so much about it that he decided to head elsewhere. Uh, maybe this is a good time to bring this up. You know, offensively, I, I've seen fans uh, claim this is the worst Wisconsin team since Barry Alvarez, uh, his first like his first couple of teams. Do you think that's the truth? Do you think that's the case? Mm, no, I don't okay. think so. Right. I mean, I I can really only speak for the this is my 11th season covering the team. And if I were to go back and, you know, the, the defense is top three in the country in a couple major categories. So they've kind of carried the day here early from an offensive standpoint. Uh, it's probably the worst. <laughs> I mean, certainly from a statistical it's output, not. It's, 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 it's not, not great. It's, it's not. It's also not the worst. In the last thirty well, years, it's not. Oh, scoring. no! I'm only talking about the decade that I've. Oh, okay. Them. All right. Yeah. Scoring wise, yes, it is. You're right. 1992. But I went back and looked the last thirty seasons just because I was interested. I went back and looked at the last thirty seasons where they rank, and these are these are not analytics. These are just you know hard stats, right? So analytics will probably give you a different answer if that's what you if that's what you're looking for. I I don't have that, but what I do have is is where this offense ranks among UW's offenses the last thirty years. Total offense, they're averaging 368 yards a game. They're 22nd out of, out of those 30 years. Their rushing offense, 207 yards a game. That's 16th out of the last 30 years. Passing offense, 161 yards a game. That's 23rd. Scoring offense, as we already pointed out, 29th. And here's where, and it comes back to this, always comes back to this. Well, I should say one of two things. Third down percentage, they're at 31%. That's last among the last 30 years. And turnovers per game, they're averaging two and a half per game. That's also last in the last 30 years. Yep. Those last two categories are what is making this offense as bad as it looks. Um, and, and obviously scoring offense as well. They've moved the ball. They haven't moved the ball at the way that anybody wants them to move the ball, but they have moved the ball, but they can't stay on the field and they can't hold on to the ball. And so that is why that offense is the way it is. But when you flip that over to the defensive side of the ball, and this is why it's called it's a team game. So that's right. why I, I, I struggle with the idea that this is the worst team. You know what I mean? Because the, the, the defense is going to 225 yards per game. That's first in the last 30 years. It's actually the first going all the way back to 1952. The rushing defense, 64 yards a game, first. Passing defense, 161 and a half, that's second. Uh, scoring defense, thanks to the offense, throwing the ball to the other team a bunch, is 16th among the last 30 years. Their third down percentage is first at 27.1%. The turnovers forced per game. Jesse, where do you think that's at? Oh, it's probably 30th. Yes, it's last. Yeah, they've only got four in six games. Yes. So that, I mean, that's not a, that's not the worst team in uh, in the last 30 years. It's not. I, I, I watched the 1995 team. They were horrible. The 2002 team, not great. There, there are not too many teams that are playing at this level. I'll admit that. But it's, it's not necessarily the worst. And the statistics certainly aren't the worst. Maybe I, maybe I misunderstood. I thought you were asking me whether it was the worst offense that I'd seen. No, no. I was, I've seen people say it's the worst team. This is the worst Badger team oh, oh. I've seen in the last 30 years. And it's not. Uh, yeah, I think you laid it out pretty effectively. Um, I, I suppose I was just thinking purely offensively uh, in the decade that I've seen. It's It's... Well, where would you put and it? it's so head scratching. What's like, that? Like, like, where would you put it? Like, I mean, I, I would say 2015 in terms of the offenses that you cover. 2015 probably is, as, is, is up there as the worst. Of, yes. 
Oh man, 2015 was, I, that, that's 2015 they didn't was have any running back. They didn't have any running backs because they had so many injuries, right? That was the year they had, they wound up using Dare Ogunbowale and is and Alec Ingold. Is that correct? See, Dare was yeah, Dare was moved from tailback to from cornerback to tailback in 2014 because uh-huh. of Taiwan deal injuries, and then in 2015 they they were expecting to have Corey Clement right. got hurt, and so yeah, it was Alec Ingold, right? He had six touchdowns or something. You, yeah, you, it was Dare yeah. Taiwan deal and, and Alec Ingold, and then right. Corey came and, back for like a game. And uh, tore up yep. Rutgers, and then that was it. And that was the year that Joel Stave was throwing 50 times a game <laughs> against yes. Nebraska. Now, they also had... the offensive line was horrible. Alex was Erickson, so right? Yeah. That was the year that he was an All-Big Ten player. Uh, yep. I, my memory serves. Um, yes. Would I take that offense over this one? Uh <laughs> Yeah, because they don't uh, because they don't turn the ball. They didn't turn the ball yeah. over like this team does. I, I think I might take that offense over this one, despite the fact that was the year that at the at the end against Minnesota they started four retro freshmen on the O line. Uh, and, and I think they shut them out, didn't they? Yeah. So no, maybe that was the. I think I'm thinking of. Uh, I don't know if they shut them out. That 2017 they did, but yeah. But uh, I think I would take that team, <laughs> that offense. So yeah, I mean, again, this team runs the ball better than that group. And yep. uh, it's it's just the fact they turn the ball over way too much like that. Yep. That right there, like you don't have to say worst offense. You can just say the offense that does not care about the ball. Like it's the, <laughs> it's, it's the offense that just does get, couldn't give two craps about the ball at this point. <laughs> I mean, I think they care. I think they just no, have a poor no, Jesse, execution. They, no, Jesse, they, they go out there. I'm, I'm going right in direct opposition of what Paul Chris says. I think they go out there wanting to turn the ball. No, of course not. Like they don't. That's of course they care about it. It just hasn't shown up on the field. I don't yeah, know. it's been it's been rough. I mean, so this is a story that I'm working on for Friday, too, is basically like as as everybody can see from the standings that you say that the Big Ten West is wide open. Right. As which we talked about after the the Army game and Purdue beating Iowa. And clearly, if Wisconsin wins out, then the Badgers win the West. But the question is, is it feasible to believe that's a possibility based on what we've seen from the passing game? And uh, the answer is no. And you've laid out so many different numbers and I'm trying to figure out, is there a way? And I asked Paul and Graham and, and Danny, this too, is, is there anything that you think you can do to get Graham going to, are there certain throws that he likes to make? And you asked Graham and he said all of them with a smile, which I thought was classic, uh, classic confident quarterback comment. But Danny talked about, you know, maybe you start out with the quicks and try to get him into a rhythm. And Paul said, if it was that easy, you would like, you would know exactly what to call. People always say that, but um, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but he's, it's not a surprise that the far, the longer the throws get, the worse he is. You know, you look at what he's done on throws behind the line of scrimmage. He's completed 78% on, on zero to nine yards at 76%. And the, the middle range 10 to 19 yards, it's, it's 51% and then 25% for 20 yards plus. So I don't know, like, I don't know that I'm giving an answer here, but they've got to figure something out to try to get him into an early rhythm. And, and maybe that's throwing a little bit more. They certainly didn't throw against army. They, they didn't necessarily need to, but I, I don't, I don't know how they fix this issue right now, six games into the season. Yeah, well, it's going to be uh, obviously a huge challenge come Saturday against Purdue. Uh, Purdue defense that has been, I, I think you could say, vastly improved. I think the numbers look a whole lot better, especially turnovers-wise, after 
<laughs> after this past weekend. They were before this past weekend. They had uh, before play fa- uh, facing Iowa. They had two turnovers. Uh, they had can cause two turnovers the entire year. They were worse within Wisconsin coming into that Iowa game than they went and forced four interceptions. So, but they are they their scoring defense is is vastly improved from where it was a year ago, and I think that probably starts uh, up front. And they have a, a front four that can get after you. And the, the lead name on that is George Karloftis. And I don't know how Wisconsin uh, is going to attack him, but he needs to be an absolute priority for them because if they allow him to wreck things, he's going to. He had, I, I saw pro football focus. He had 10 pressures last week, which was the most ever given up by Iowa. Now he only had one sack. I think he only had one tackle, but you're getting pressure that much. It's going to lead to the type of uh, interceptions that uh, Spencer Petras threw. And we all know that Graham Mertz is not uh, exactly against throwing. Well, that's not the right word. Isn't exactly, um, hasn't been able to hold on to the ball himself. And you would think with, with pressure, that's going to be a problem. And I think it's a, is that your biggest concern like for this weekend? Because I, that offensive line against that front four, it could be, could be ugly, especially if they're unable to run the ball. Yeah. Karlaftis has played 21 career games. He's got 24 and a half tackles for a loss and, and 12 and a half sacks. And when this is no surprise, I suppose when a quarterback is under pressure, he performs worse than he does when he's got a clean pocket. But I think it's especially notable with Graham this season. Um, Graham's been under pressure on 34% of his passing attempts. These are some pro football focus numbers and he's completed 13 of 45 of those passes, 29%, no touchdowns, two picks. When he's got a clean pocket, 66%. And I think he's going to be under some serious pressure this game. I, if you're Purdue, why wouldn't you challenge them to win through the air and, and get after them? No, and, they're, no, they're going to play. They're, they're going to play eight up and they're going to play. And I, if they were, I mean, if I were them, I'd play pressing outside so they wouldn't be able to throw a little dink and dunk and uh, force them to make plays down the field because they haven't shown they can do it on a regular basis. I don't think that, I mean, they've barely been able to show it once or twice this year. Uh, even though, even though I know, I know Graham can complete those passes. I've seen it, not a ton, but I've seen it. And I know Danny can make plays in the ball. I know Kendrick can make plays in the ball. We've seen Jim Ray be able to do the same thing. They are too talented. Uh, people are going to take an issue with the word talent when I, when I say this, but they are too talented to be this bad offensively uh, throwing the ball. They, they are like we've seen all three of those guys make plays on a regular basis. And in terms of the wide receivers, and we know Jake Ferguson can be useful as well. They're too talented to be this poor. I think. Yeah. I, I or, do you agree? It's, or no? it's, I, I do agree. I mean, like, like those top three wide receivers, they should be better. They should probably be getting more targets. Tim Ray DK has got 18 targets this season. That's three a game. That, uh, that would seem to be not enough, but to, back to the point about being pressured, um, you just wonder how many how many of those clean pocket opportunities are there going to be, you know? And the, and the other thing is how much worse it's been this season. I mentioned that Graham's been pressured on thirty four percent of his dropbacks. Last year was eighteen point seven percent. He's last in the Big Ten under pressure in pass efficiency, completion percentage, and yards per attempt. So. Again, that's not all on Graham because he's got to be protected well. It just speaks to what teams are doing effectively and what Purdue is going to do to try to limit Wisconsin's offense. Yeah, it's <laughs> obviously you don't want to let Karloftis beat you. So however you go about doing that, whether it's chips or double teams or however you do it, 
but then you actually end up having to block the rest of that defensive line. And they weren't able to, the last time they faced a defensive line like this was Michigan and they weren't able to do it. Even if they, even if they, even if Hutchinson wasn't as big of a, you know, a factor in that, in that game, the rest of the defensive line was. And that to me is probably a, a huge, huge concern going into Saturday that how do you, how do you stop him when you haven't been able to stop any talented front this year? I mean, I, Purdue, I should say Penn State got after it. Notre Dame to an extent, but Michigan certainly got after it. Knocked Graham out of the game. Now, that wasn't the defensive line that, that uh, they knocked him out of the game, but pressure knocked him out. So, yeah. I, it it you sounds want, like you're not too optimistic about the result well, here. On well, you want to do well, – here's the th- – no, the thing is, yeah, we'll see. I went in my head there for a second, Jesse. Yeah, nah, eh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, but – just from what we've seen this year, major, major concern in, in keeping Graham upright, especially if they're not able to run the ball. I think they showed last week that they are coming around in terms of that. Uh, obviously, Army's front, not on the same level as Purdue's, so it's going to be a challenge, and we know exactly what that, uh, that defense is going to do in trying to stop the run. So it's going to be up to the passing game to make a play or two. And to bring this conversation full circle back to the winning the Big Ten West, that's what it's going to take to win the Big Ten West. It's going to take a, a couple of big plays in the passing game and a lack of turnovers down the stretch here for them to be even in consideration for it. And, and obviously, these next two weeks are the big weeks, but that's what it's going to take. And I don't, I don't know where your comments level is, but it's not very high on my end. Yeah, I don't think it's particularly high either. I mean, I think and I've gone back and forth. I've said in a previous episode that uh, – I thought maybe Wisconsin would go five and one, lose to Iowa. I, I, the more I think about it, I can see a four and two finish, which considering the start, I suppose, isn't the worst thing in the world, but that's a seven and five season. That's five and four in the Big Ten. That's certainly not what Wisconsin thought uh, it was capable of at the start of the season. It's just hard to see what, what evidence have we seen in games that something's going to drastically change. And even from a like, I, I don't think the way they're playing to this point is going to be substantially different. You know, you, you look at Wisconsin wide receivers have been targeted 20% of the time on, on the Badgers total offensive plays this season. I mean, that's the second, that's the second lowest in the big 10. It's not like I think all of a sudden they're going to come out and half the plays are going to go to the wide receivers. So it's, you don't get that many opportunities. Do we believe they're going to be good enough to execute on the few that they get? And so far, I think the answer has been no. They are who they are. Yes. I mean, as, as sad as that is to say, if you're listening, six games have shown us what they are. And certainly they're capable of going out and proving us wrong. It's just, what have we seen to believe that it's going to change so drastically over the second half of the season against teams that know you so well, um, where every game is a dogfight? Or certainly a lot of them I would expect to be. Maybe not every single one, but a lot of these games I believe are going to be you know, tough down the stretch. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's get into some over-unders. We haven't even talked about the other side of the ball for Purdue, which uh, came alive the last couple of weeks under, uh, you know, with Aiden O'Connell throwing the ball over the place. But uh, over-under pass yards for Aiden O'Connell, 223.6. That's what he's averaging on the season. Last two weeks, though, 371, 375. If, if I'm saying that the one thing Wisconsin or one of the things Wisconsin has going for it down the stretch that other teams don't is that it has an elite defense, right? As we talked about earlier in the week, then I'm going to, I'm going to take the under, what does this team hang its hat on in a game like this? It's got to be the defense and it's going to be a huge challenge. 
but I'm, I'm going to take the under. I still think this is, even if Wisconsin hasn't been tremendously successful offensively, if the defense can get off the field, the Badgers still are among the, the national leaders in, in time of possession. And, and that's awfully frustrating for, for an offense that you know, wants to go up tempo and, and doesn't, certainly doesn't want to go three and out. So I'm taking the under. Yeah, that's, that, that's a hard over for me. Because I right. don't, because I don't think Purdue's gonna. First of all, I don't think they're gonna try and run the ball a ton. But even if they do, I don't think they're gonna have success. And so it's gonna come down to him throwing the ball. And that leads into my next question: David Bell, <laughs> over under uh, ten and a half. Well, now I'm put in a tough position since I took the under on that number, and he had two. <laughs> he had 240 yards receiving against Iowa. Uh, <laughs> it's hard for me to say under, but. I don't know how it could be over, and they 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 hit the under on the total <laughs> passing yards. So I'm in a you. box. I got you. I'm gonna go the under. You got I, me. I got you. Uh, yeah. I mean, he. To be fair, uh, he has owned Iowa, right? Like, I mean, his the the numbers that he's put up against Iowa, his his career are just insane. He's been, yeah, 11, 13 catches, and they also had, uh, thir- oh, geez, 13, 13, and 11 against Iowa. Last time he, the only time he's faced Wisconsin, he had 12 catches, 108 yards. So they he is actually Jonathan Taylor against Nebraska is what he is. They, yes. <laughs> when he, when he facing Iowa, that's a good point. They actually did an okay job. I mean, if, if David Bell catches 12 passes for 108 yards on Saturday, that's a good thing for Wisconsin, right? Like 108, that's nine yards a catch. You can deal with that. You can, you can certainly deal with that. That's certainly better than what. <laughs> What Iowa did last week when he averaged 21.8 yards a catch, uh, the dude's averaging 17.9 so far this year. It's going to be a huge, huge challenge, but I'm, I'm going to take the over on 10 and a half. I think he gets the ball a ton. Do you think that they go with one guy on him or do you think, he, uh, do you think it, that, that travels or do you think that it's just they play their defense and just go with it? I think it's going to take multiple guys. I mean, you would think Fayon, uh as their, their top guy, would be tasked with it, but I think it's going to take multiple guys. Who do you, yeah, I mean, it, what, what's your take on it? You play your defense. It's, it's not ideal, but you play your defense. I don't think that there's a single guy on Wisconsin in Wisconsin secondary that is going to be able to like, is that good just to be yeah. able to shadow him? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, do you? I, 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 I don't, uh, obviously a bigger body like that. Maybe you think Caesar Williams, but I, I don't, I think that they just play their defense and, and not say hope for the best, but just <laughs> be who you are. And, you know, play the way that you've played this year. And it's been good enough uh, against almost everybody. I do expect some big plays in the past game, though. I do. Just because Wisconsin has had a tendency to give some of those up this year. So you're talking me out of my my two picks so far. I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to reverse course because uh, yes. I've already made my decision. You were locked. But in. I feel strongly that I may be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. George Karloff is over under. For tackles for loss slash sacks, mm. so I guess it, I mean it's the same thing, but okay. three and a half. Uh, I'm going to take the under on that one. Okay, he I mean he has not been uh, doesn't hasn't doesn't have huge sack numbers by any stretches here, but those those pressure numbers are just insane. Right. So, uh, but I, I I do think with with the way Wisconsin runs the ball, I do think he's going to get some opportunities for tackles for loss, and, and Wisconsin's had some challenges in that respect. Uh, with with zero or negative runs this year, yeah, I'm take I, the over. 
Okay. I think that's a pretty bold pick. He's He's got five and a half tackles for loss in six games this season. He's got three sacks. You're right. He's got a ton of pressures. Purdue's stats, which you know the I'm official not- stats probably differ from what pro football focus will say, but he's got eight quarterback hurries, which is twice as many as anybody else on the team. So yeah, I'm going to take the under on that one. I think Wisconsin as an offensive line has to say, <laughs> we're doing everything in our power to make sure that guy doesn't beat us. Easier hope- said than done. It's like with I- Chase Young. You can say that, but Chase Young's going to do his thing. Well, that's the thing. Two years ago, when they went down to Ohio State, they had Jake Ferguson blocking Chase Young on a play. Yep. That can't happen on Saturday. And I remember, and I remember talking to, to Jake after the game. We, you know, we were all talking to Jake after the game, and he's like, I got to be better than that. I'm like, and I was thinking to myself, no, you just can't be put in that position. Like that, <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Like, that's just not a block that you're, especially like pass blocking, that's, that's not a block you should be asked to make. And I don't think they made it, they asked him to make it very often in the Big Ten championship game. And, and uh, Chase Young was not as uh, disruptive in that game. But yeah, I, the thing is, uh, the second time around, like against Chase Young, Cole Van Landon actually played well enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Big Ten championship game, he wasn't good enough in in the twenty. And I remember him saying that he just wanted another chance at it, wanted another chance at it, got another chance at it. wasn't bad, you know. was was actually pretty good. I don't know if Tyler Beach is is anywhere close to that, and that's that's a problem, pass blocking wise especially. Very well, could be. <laughs> I mean, he's think? as I'm good gonna... as he's as good as they as yeah, good as they're yeah. going to face there. Yeah, I was. I thought you're about to say he's as good as they've got over there, um, in terms of oh, Tyler. That beaches. Yeah, yeah, he's had he's he's had an up and down season. Even he would admit that. Yes. Uh, all right. So Graham Mertz over under one and a half turnovers. <laughs> um, I'm going under. I feel like did you ask me this one last week or was it a touchdown question? Uh, I think it was a touchdown question. I mean, he he had one turnover last week, so didn't throw an interception. There's that. I'm gonna hey. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna he go. Should, the under. He should have. He threw it right to a guy. <laughs> Yeah, but hey, I mean, Wisconsin, if 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 everyone if the defense caught every single ball that a quarterback threw to him, Wisconsin would be much higher. Yeah, they might be number one in takeaways. I can think of at least three picks off the top of my head (laughs) could have gone for touchdowns. Yes. So you're going to you're going to take the under or you can take I'm going to I'm going to take the under on this one. All right. I'm taking the over. Uh, Mr. Negative here today. Mr. Negative. Oh, I, I see where your pick is going. Yeah. Well, I yes, yes, yes. Braylon Allen. Mm-hmm. Over under 99 and a half yards. That's a good number since obviously he's run for 200 or 100 plus the last two games. And last freshman to do that was Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the under on this one. Uh, one thing to do it against Illinois and, and even army. Uh, another thing to do it against Purdue. Although I expect him to get a bunch of opportunities. I mean, yeah. it's basically a, it's basically an even split now with Jez Malusi, but I'm going to go with the under. Who do you think gets more carries this uh, Saturday? I guess I'll go with, I'll go with Braylon. So, so I don't hedge. (laughs) (laughs) It just, it's been, it's been trending. Well, it's been trending toward an even split, I suppose. But, but since I have to pick one, I'll go with Braylon. All right. Do you remember the last time they played down there? Yes, I was just thinking about this. If I'm not mistaken, it was 2018. The was triple a triple overtime Jonathan Taylor game. That was one of the most fun games I've covered, especially regular season. I think it was 47-44 in the yep. rain. Yep. Little Jack, yeah. little, uh, Jack Cohn, I believe his his second yeah, two start. touchdowns. Two second touchdowns at, to Danny Davis in the fourth quarter. Yep. 
Danny Davis playmaker uh, mm-hmm. with some of the, those ridiculous catches in the end zone. Um, but yeah, that, I, th- I think that gave people some confidence what uh, Jack Cohn might be able to do. Uh, oh, definitely. A couple, of, a couple of those throws, but that game was all about JT. Um, 100%. He, what did he finish with? 323 yards, I think it was? Can't recall off the top of my head, and, but I do and, remember being down on the... Go ahead. Go ahead. I do remember being down on the field in that last overtime and because Jonathan scored the game-winning touchdown and guys were coming up to him and they're just like, they were... <laughs> this is the clean version, but they were like, you're different, man. Like, they're just... <laughs> you know, it was... Uh, that was pretty fun to to watch him do his thing and and for them to win the way that they did. It was no, it was it was it was a ton of fun. He but he was amazing that game. Uh, had a really long touchdown run, but also just a whole bunch of intermediate. But like they had they had no answer for him, and you knew as soon as he got to overtime, like he he scored two touchdowns. He scored one over. He scored the first touchdown of overtime, and then came back and scored the the, the game winner too. But yeah, that was statistically that was his best game of his career. At Wisconsin, I believe. That's, Am I that's saying that? a lot. Am I wrong in that? I, I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. Was uh, it? What did he find? Was it 321 yards? Was it? I'm three twenty. Are you looking it up now? I'm, I'm not. He put up 321 yards. You're right. 9.7 yards a carry, three touchdowns. They could use somebody doing that this Saturday. <laughs> they, they could. They could. They could use him. I agree. They could. They could use someone like him. They don't have him. They don't. They don't. They don't have anybody like him. Should um, we get to the picks? I yes, like, we should. Yeah. Yes, we should. Sorry, sorry. I was getting there. No, Chill. no, you're you're good. I uh, I just I can't wait to hear whatever you think the final score is going to be. <laughs> so I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll start though. There are no top twenty five matchups this week. Uh, I believe that's the first time this year. So we're going to be picking all the Big Ten games. A lot of important games if you're a believer in Wisconsin and trying to get to the Big Ten title game. So we'll start with this. Northwestern traveling to Michigan to take on number the six number six Wolverines. Michigan, 23.5-point favorites. The over-under is 50.5. Ah, I'm, that's the highest spread in the, in the Big Ten this week, 23.5. I'm still going to go with Michigan. <laughs> I'm going to take... I'm going to take the under on that. I don't know how many points Northwestern's going to score unless unless Michigan wins this thing 49 to 3. I'm going to go with the under on it. Uh, but I think Michigan covers. Yeah. See, and the thing about this week is it's it's the week that leads up to just a ton of big matchups like Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa. So they're just going th- I'm thinking through this in terms of potentially looking ahead games for Michigan. I'm going to take Northwestern. And Ooh. The under. Okay. I mean, Michigan's they, coming off a bye. They won they are, one that they probably got away with against Nebraska, but I think that bye helps. Yeah, the bye helps, but also Michigan State next week. So, yeah, it could be. I don't know. We'll see. I guess uh, that's why they play the games. Illinois traveling to number seven, Penn State. Penn State favored by 23. The over-under is 46. And it looked like it looked like that Sean Clifford was practicing this week. Not that it should matter against Illinois, but the starting quarterback could return. We'll see if that's the case or not. I have no confidence in Illinois. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Penn State, another team coming off a bye, the team coming off of that crushing loss against Iowa. I think they're going to be pissed. <laughs> I think they're going <laughs> to win by a lot. Um, I am going to take the over, though. You love some, you love some teams that are coming off a bye. <clears throat> yeah, why not? These are well, good teams. Uh, then, then next week... Iowa coming off a bye, 
pissed off after that loss to Purdue. I've already said I was going to win that game. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right. So I'm going to take I'm going to take Penn State as well. I'm going to take the over. Uh, Maryland traveling to Minnesota. Minnesota, one of the teams ahead of Wisconsin in the Big Ten West. They are four and two and two and one. Minnesota favored by five at home against Maryland. I'm picking all the favorites here. I'm I'm, I'm going Maryland or I'm going Minnesota on this one. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the over on that as well. I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to jump on the back on your back there. Five. I got Minnesota as well. And, and, and the over on that one, uh, Ohio state and Indiana, number five, Ohio state traveling to Indiana for a night game in Bloomington, Ohio state favored by 21. Indiana has put a scare in, into some teams, but has not been able to finish the over under a 60 and a half. CJ. Well, Ridiculous so far, uh, lately, I should say. Give me Ohio State. Hey, you know what? They're coming off a bye. <laughs> uh, and they just crushed Maryland 66-17. I'm going to go Ohio State. I'm going to take the over, even though 16 and a half is, is a lot. Yeah, I think Indiana is playing well enough defensively to keep, to keep it within 21, but I don't know offensively. I mean, they're just not, they're just not very good. Offensively, uh, you know, Penix Jr. hasn't been good, but he's and obviously he's hurt right now. So, uh, Tuttle, Jack Tuttle hasn't been any any good either. We saw him up close last year at at Wisconsin. He did just enough to beat the Badgers, largely because the offense did nothing. But yeah, I'm going to take Ohio State and the over on that. Even though uh, I think Indiana's defense is good enough, I just don't think their offense is good enough to uh, to keep it within three scores. And the game of the week: Wisconsin traveling to Purdue. Purdue two and one coming off a huge upset win over Iowa. They're in the top 25, as I mentioned before, for the first time since 2007, Wisconsin continues to be a favorite. And were they a favorite against Michigan or were they underdogs that game? I feel like they were a favorite that game. Can't remember right yeah. now. So apologies. either way, uh, f- feels like they've been favored in every game this year. They uh, come into this one, a three point favorite. The over under is 40. I'm going to make a pick that I didn't think I was going to make, but I'm going to take Purdue straight up. I'm going to take the under. I think last week the, uh, the over-under was 39 for Army, and yeah. we hit on the under there. Yep. I just, for everything we've talked about, as, as good as the defense has been, my faith in the passing offense is, uh, is lacking at this point. And they, they've, <laughs> that's, the, that's the nice way to put it. So. I you think that momentum from beating Iowa carries over. And I think all the talk that we've had about the Big Ten being wide open and controlling the destiny, uh, that talk will end. <laughs> this is a, I think this is the first true, true, true road game that they're going to face. Sold out. This game is at Purdue, at Ross Aid Stadium. The state, I mean, obviously the game was not sold out at Illinois. It wasn't loud. There wasn't a ton of energy there. So this is the first true, true road game that Wisconsin is going to play in this year. I think that they're going to give up some big plays, perhaps in the past game. And I don't think, I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I think they're going to have some success there, but I think the big plays from Purdue are going to uh, be able to overcome that. And, and, and they snapped that 14 game winning streak. I'm taking uh, Purdue 24 to 10. Well, sorry to the listeners out there for being uh, too pessimistic uh, beat writers here, but 
we've seen all we need to see through six games, I suppose. Well, and that, I mean, that's, that's the problem. That's the problem. We are, <laughs> we're in way too close to this. It's the same thing with, with Wisconsin fans. Like it's this, they're the worst team in the country. Graham Mertz, the worst quarterback in the country, like all those type of things. Like we're way too into this, but uh, from what we've seen, I just, it's, it's hard to, I can see them winning. I certainly can. Like all of a mm-hmm. sudden, you know, Aiden O'Connell all of a sudden goes back and starts tur- turning the ball over. Wisconsin's pass rush is in, is impossible to stop. The running game gets going, and all of a sudden, you know they're, you know they're torching them uh, on the ground, and and it goes their way, and they're able to hold on the ball, and they don't turn it over, and all that good stuff. It's just too many times in six games we've seen this year. Too many times it's been the other way around, and so yeah, not not, not a ton of confidence going into this one. I, Purdue may score less than that. It may be like a 20 to 10 game or 17 to 10 game, but I'm going to say 24 to 10 and, and just go with it. We'll see. If Wisconsin go, goes there, gets the win, then I think obviously we'll eat some crow depending on what it looks like and uh, and move on to Iowa and see if they can't salvage something from the season. Because if they win this week and they win next week, all of a sudden the season is looking as poor as uh, it does right now, obviously. Yeah, this is the defining stretch of the season for as poor as the, the team started that there's still an opportunity to win the West. And if they come out of this game with a win and they play well and they do some things that they haven't done to this point, maybe this is the turning point, even though they've got to play Iowa next week. But again, from what we've seen and in the challenge they're facing, I think it's just hard to have that confidence that they're going to go in there and do the damage that they need to do. But uh, that's what makes the games fun. Yeah, I'm ready to be wrong. I'm ready to be wrong, but we'll see. Jesse, thank you very much. Thanks, Zach. All right. There he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.